0: What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host Felicia and I'm a lady talking about sex. And this week we have a very interesting topic um, and we have a very special guest with us. Uh, So Tori, do you want to reintroduce yourself and remind everyone what you're doing, who you are and all the great work that you've been doing for women's
1: sexual health? Of course, thank you for that. Uh, so, hi everyone, my name is Tori. I'm the founder of Medical Her Story. We're an award winning international nonprofit dedicated to raising awareness on gender health inequity through storytelling and undoing stigma. So, we run an online publication where women and anyone who experiences sexism in healthcare can submit first person stories. Um, we also conduct outreach and events. Uh, doing education and workshops in order to destigmatize discussions on our health and bodies. And you can follow along with us at Medical Her Story on all social media, Facebook, Instagram. We even have a YouTube channel um, where you can read our stories, uh, share your own, attend events, or get involved. Amazing. Thank you for coming on the the podcast again. And I'm really glad that you
0: came to talk to me about this specific topic that we're going to discuss today, which is Um, sexually transmitted infections, because I think a lot of women feel or feminifying folks feel like this is a huge, burdensome topic to discuss. Um, And I think a lot of people don't realize how common it is in women, in particular women who have sex with men. Um, The stat right now, I think in the U.S., is about 80% of women who have sex with men are likely to get an STI in their lifetime. So maybe do you want to talk a little bit about the taboo or any previous education that you personally had um, in regards to STI information?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's actually funny as someone who's an outspoken advocate for women's health and writes about her own stories with chronic yeast infections and does podcasts on them. um, it doesn't mean I'm perfect and it doesn't mean that there's not certain parts of my story that I leave out um, for specific reasons. One of those being STIs. Um, so this is the first time I'll be speaking publicly on this. So thank you Felicia so much for creating a space that is warm and welcoming and empowering to do so. Um, it's going to be great. So yeah, um, it's actually funny like my sex education in high school was actually awesome. Uh, so we had peer education, which I think made it so much more accessible and I actually loved it so much that I ended up teaching it um, in like the last two years of high school for me. So a lot of my sex ed was self-taught. And I remember watching so many YouTube videos about STIs because I want to be this amazing peer sex educator for my classmates. Um, and I felt really confident in this knowledge and sort of inclusive curriculum that i had helped form. And I can remember some of 15-year-old Tori's awesome lines. Like you wouldn't jump out of a plane without a parachute. So why would you have sex without a condom? (laughs) Gold. Um, I knew all the names to every STI. I knew the symptoms. I knew if you have oddly colored discharge, pain, sores, get that checked. I knew that most STIs could be treated with antibiotics. Um, I knew that when you were 14 in Quebec, you could go to a healthcare provider um, to get tested and no one would know, which I thought was awesome. And I mean, I knew how to make a DIY dental dam, so I thought I was really good to go. And it's funny, I had such a positive and empowering experience with sex ed, and yet I still got an STI. So I think it's super important to talk about and delve into. um, But yeah, do you want to share what you had? Uh, I know your sex ed was very different than mine, maybe the more traditional experiences. Not everyone has such awesome education, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) No, absolutely. And I think I love that you point out that you had such a positive experience, and you still contracted an STI, which mm-hmm. I think really should alleviate some of the stress that a lot of individuals put on themselves. And same thing with me um, when I was diagnosed with BV, which is like a vaginal condition, so it doesn't technically fall under that category. But it's I contracted it or from causes of my sexual partner at the time, so mm-hmm. I had a very different like STI, STD, um, education in general. I went to Catholic school my whole life. Um, So I don't even want to call it a negative experience because it just wasn't an experience in general. I think I had one awkward gym teacher put on a condom on like a wooden dildo and that was pretty much the extent of what I knew. And then the only thing at the time that I could really lean back on was abstinence. So like I was a very late um, sexually active adult. I lost my virginity when I was like 18, which is like fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But because I didn't have any information, I didn't necessarily feel super safe um, to have sex. So, you know, in a lot of Catholic understandings, the best thing to do is to not have sex, which doesn't provide you with any other solutions um, and then puts you in situations like, the situation that I was in when I contracted BB because there were a lot of things that I could have done to protect myself a little bit better. Um, And like in 2020 hindsight, I know now what those could have been. But also I think it's important to recognize that you can protect yourself. You can have all that information and it can still happen. Um, And the analogy that I kind of like to use when we're talking about STIs is that like, there's no shame when you get, like, a throat infection. There's no shame when you get an ear infection. It's a part of the body that's used and that's exposed to a variety of factors and variables. And there's nothing wrong with it getting infected. There's, like, nothing wrong with it. And because vulvas and vaginas are such a vulnerable, um, like, organ, essentially, and because of a lot of different factors that affect the vulnerability of that organ... I think that it's just like our own social construct surrounding like why vaginas should be more shamed in regards to STIs or vaginal conditions versus penises because I know lots of dudes that have had STIs, chlamydia is like an ongoing one, and there's really no shame or taboo associated with them contracting it. Like, Uh, I've had lots of guy friends openly talk about this and they just don't feel that type of um, pressure, I think, because men are more inclined to have uh, more casual sex than women. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so I really want to, like, Debunk and demystify this idea of STIs being such a bad thing because really it's just a part of life And I don't think it makes you dirty. I don't think it makes you more promiscuous than others when I got BV I was having sex with one person Uh, so There's no one to blame Um, so I'm really excited that you're open to having this conversation with me and really bringing in a personal story uh, regarding an STI diagnosis, because I think that that really normalizes the topic and also will bring a lot of um, science-based light to something that's super, super, super normal. So I'm really excited you're here. Um, and I, I just kind of want to know a little bit more about, like, did you personally feel that you had enough information now looking back on STIs and um, just like sex education in general once you became sexually active?
1: Yeah so like I was saying before I think it's interesting you can sort of have like a wealth of knowledge and confidence and access which is what we want for all young people Um, but that when it actually comes to putting that into practice. It can sort of fall by the wayside when you're young or you're nervous uh, or you're just not acting on what you know you're supposed to be doing for a range of factors. I think when we're young also, we sort of think we're invincible and that STIs or unplanned pregnancies are things that happen to other people and not to us. So while I'd say I did have the information, I didn't necessarily have the understanding um, because the problem for me wasn't that I, I lacked the education or awareness. Um, I asked my partners about their sexual histories. I disclosed mine. I got STI tested every year for my annual checkup. Um, But I did have some of my own problems, and I did have my own hangups about using condoms. And I just don't think I understood how prevalent STIs were. Um, As much as I was confident in my knowledge, I think that just maybe I thought, oh, I know it all, so there's no risk for me. Um, because right when we're young girls, we often think we're much older and much more mature than we really are. Um, and I think it's important to be kind to our younger selves and and give them that space to learn and grow. But I think it's also important to have like that foresight. And I think it's interesting. I, I'm not sure why, but for me, I felt like birth control was much. Easier to get on and talk about Uh, going to a local clinic. I felt like others were on it. It was less stigmatized to talk to your girlfriends about. And I had a doctor who was willing to prescribe it. Um, But condoms and other barrier methods, for whatever reason, that conversation just wasn't happening. I wasn't bringing it up with my partners. They never brought it up with me. Uh, And I was just really more concerned with like pregnancy. I I felt like I understood that could happen at any time. I didn't want that to happen. I was being very, very proactive about that. But with STIs, I just assumed that that just would never happen to me, honestly.
0: <laughs> no, for sure. And it's, it's really interesting, too, because I kind of had a similar experience where I didn't have a conversation with my partner at the time um, about being exclusive sexually. And so while I felt like I was in an exclusive relationship, I technically wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even through the process of, like, developing that relationship and protecting myself or what I thought was protecting myself by I I took my partner actually to the McGill clinic. He showed <laughs> up with me. We did the whole testing situation. Um and then from there I was just like, of course I don't need condoms. As if that's like that's it. You're safe forever. Which is, you know, we don't want to scare individuals in that sense. But I also think that a lot of people don't understand how how important condoms are not only for STIs but even for contracting vaginal conditions like UTIs and like yeast infections and for me like BV and so I kind of want to learn more about like your experience with within that situation of you know figuring out that you did have an STI what was that process like for you um Mm -hmm. And did you have symptoms or did you just, was this just during your annual checkup?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, So story time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, I guess I would have been 18 at the time. uh, And I had just gone through a breakup. Um, I had been in this longest distance relationship for a few years. So I was newly single, um, ready to definitely mingle. Um, And like you, that partner was the first person I had slept with. um, So I think I was ready to experiment with different people, but also was definitely a bit naive um, and having never done that before. So as the story goes, I hooked up with people. I didn't use protection. And at one point I started to get nervous because while I was being checked annually, um, it was sort of a while since I had gone. Um, and since I had awesome sex education, I knew that you could be asymptomatic. So that means that you won't have any changes. You'll feel perfectly healthy. Um, but that something can be going wrong. You can have an infection. Um, and unfortunately for people who have uteruses, if those go untreated for a long time, that can often affect fertility. So I knew I wanted to go get checked. Um, so I went to go get tested. And since I had been going every year, I knew it was really no big deal. It's easy. You just book an appointment, either you pee in a cup, you can self swab. Um, so I got tested once again, once I sort of clued in to like, Hey, I think maybe I'm not dealing with this breakup in the best way. Maybe I should go get myself tested. Um, few days later, I got my test back and it was negative. Uh, cue the cue the claps. Um, <laughs> I was beyond relieved, I, but I really, I really felt like I dodged a bullet. I was like, "Woof, we, we're okay, we're safe, but we're being dumb. So let's let's slow it down." Um, so I did, and then two weeks later, um, I went on a date with this guy. We went for cheesecake; it was awesome. Uh, so we hooked up after, and I went down on him. And maybe a minute in, I was like, "Hey, I'm not feeling this. I want to go home." And he was perfectly chill, respectful. He was like, yeah, no problem, like whatever. So I went home. Um, And I never really thought about this encounter again. I was just like, oh yeah, like he was nice, but there was no chemistry there. I wasn't gonna waste my time, resources, my body on someone I just knew I wasn't feeling at that point. Um, And I started to see two guys who I really liked. And then I began exclusively dating one. Um, So it was awesome. I was in this new exclusive relationship. It was great. And then I got a text from the cheesecake guy. And he said, I have an STI. He was so mad at me saying that I had given it to him, blaming me, saying that I lied because I had disclosed. Hey, I got tested like two weeks ago. Everything was negative. So, you know, um, and also I think having I like I understood that okay, this guy has an STI, but I didn't really understand what that would mean for me, especially because you just think like, oh, oral sex, like you don't get STIs from that, especially if you don't go all the way and you stop after like a minute, you know? So in my head, I was still like, okay, this guy's an asshole. Glad I didn't go all the way with him. But also like, I think I'm (laughs) safe, you know? (laughs) Um, So then I went to the doctor though, because I said, okay, he obviously got tested. He's positive. I'm probably positive, but hopefully not. Um, so I went and then this is what sucks. So as I said before, I've shared my story publicly, um, prescription white panties on medical her story. And then Felicia and I dived into let's talk about chronic yeast infections where I sort of went through the story. So listen to those and then pause when you get to the part about my cervix being cut during a, a yeast exam. So at the same time that that happened, she was also testing me for chlamydia and I have no idea why to this day she didn't let me do the test on myself but I specifically remember her telling me, and this wasn't my usual doctor, that she had to go extra deep to, to, to test for chlamydia. Horrific. <laughs> What type of logic? Like chlamydia is lodged in the back of your uterus. I don't know. I'm like, then I was like, whoa, like in a cup for years and it's going to be lodged up there. Like what? So she literally swabbed so hard and so deep that she cut my cervix. I like most pain I've experienced to this day, but oh it was God. awful. And to our viewers out there, you have the right to self swab. You have the right to pee in a cup. There is no reason why you need to go deep for chlamydia. That's not a thing. But I was young. I didn't know. I had never had a a, a vaginal exam before, like a pap smear or anything. So I was just like, okay, like, I guess this is the only way to test. Spoiler, it's not. So to our viewers, (laughs) please, please, like, advocate for yourself. STI testing is painless. It's non-invasive. Like, it didn't have to be like that. So it sucks I had that experience um, because – It was just a really tumultuous time being tested for an STI, having chronic yeast infections, going through all this. Um, And I think why I left it out in my story, honestly, is in my head, I was like, oh, it's too complicated, you know? But then also it's like, I feel like if including that, people would be like, would think I'm less trustworthy, would think I'm less respectable, would put in all these assumptions, you know? And I think, I think it's okay to process your story at different times and be comfortable disclosing some things and not others. You don't owe anyone every detail of your life. Um, but looking back, I do think it's interesting that when I was writing the story and writing about that exam, I did choose to leave that part out um, because I, I just wasn't ready to talk about it. But so then I got a call from the clinic, I think it was like a few days later, and I got the call and I was like, just say it's negative, say it's negative. And then this nurse in like those monotone voice was like, Victoria, your chlamydia test was positive. And I was like, "Uh," and then she was like, OK, and then like hung up. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it sucked. You know where I was, girl? I was waiting to get on the city bus to go on a date with my boyfriend of the time. And I'm just crying on this bus. Like, just hysterical. I'm so upset. I know I have to tell my boyfriend. I know I have to tell partners from the past, like, two weeks. And I'm just draining it. It was just, like, this wave of, like, dread and regret and shame just, like, on me. Like, a million pounds. And on top of the fact that I was already, like dealing with chronic yeast infections, trying to, like, introduce that to my boyfriend at the time, like, I don't really know what's wrong. It was, like, at the very start that all this was going on, so it was, like, the physical turmoil, the sexual turmoil, and then, like, the mental toll. It was just a really, a really low point.
0: It's, it's so upsetting because it's always, like, I always find that when I'm speaking to other women about their STI diagnosis or, like, even just, you know, dealing with, like, medical practitioners in regards to, like, the vulnerability of like your own body and sometimes it failing you well, they're one super like monotone and like not comforting at all about it. But I just feel like this kind of stuff happens sometimes at the worst times ever. But how was the process for you? Um, kind of speaking to your partner about it and having that conversation and even just moving forward with like getting antibiotics and like treating it.
1: Yeah. So the part of disclosing to past partners it just really sucks. I think it's always going to suck uh, because you just become the bad guy, right? Even though it is like STIs are a cycle, like if you got one, it's because someone gave it to you. So if you tell someone that, you're, you, that they have one, it's because someone gave it to you too. You know, it's like it's not like it starts with one person or it's intentional or anything like that. Um, so I knew people were going to be mad at me. I knew that they might say mean things. And I was just trying to prepare myself for that mentally, knowing like you're strong, you got this. Um, but it was definitely really hard. Uh, especially because I had, these partners had trusted me, right? I had told them, Hey, two weeks ago, I had an STI test. It came back negative. What if they think I'm a liar? What if they think I deceived them? What if they tell people that, you know, like there's a lot of shame um, and stigma with it. And I think as young women too, when you're coming into your own sexuality, you don't want to get labeled as like the girl with an STI or like the dirty girl, you know? So there's so much pressure like that. Um, And the clinic actually offered uh, to call my partners. So they said, when I went in to like go and be like, what prescription do I need? Whatever. Um, Which I thought was interesting. Um, And if you don't feel comfortable talking to past partners or it's not a safe situation, that is an option that's out there. Um, But in my case, I felt like I owed these people a conversation. If they had questions that we could definitely talk about things. Um and yeah, so I told my boyfriend and this was really hard. You're in a new relationship. You want them to like you. <laughs> you don't want to spring this on them. Um, but I was just straight up. I think it's important for people. Uh, if you do have to disclose, just be straight up, say what you have, tell them how they can get treated. Don't blame shame, point the finger, you know. Um, but he just sat there in silence for an hour. And at the time, this was so hard on me. I'm someone who just really wanted to like talk it out, you know, like get through it, very proactive. But I think in that moment, I just had to recognize that everyone's different and people process things at different times and knowing him better now. uh, We obviously have have worked on communication skills and also knowing when the other needs space. Um, But yeah, after that hour, he just looked at me. He said, OK, it'd be OK. We'd get through this. And never shamed me, never blamed me, never said anything mean, which was awesome. Um, But then the awkward part came where I had to call the other guy that I started dating, then broke up with. And for him, I was the first girl he slept with. And that phone call. that phone call, I felt so bad. I've, I was like, I'm the villain in this guy's story. Like, I will never come back from this. This guy was so sweet. He took the breakup so like generously. And I was like, I hate myself right now. So I called him and he was mad at first, but then he like called me back and was very mature and very gracious and kind. I was very lucky, um, that that for me, my partners, um, we're, we're decent people, and we're mature and understanding. But I mean, it's really hard, uh, sort of having to come to terms with that. And, and if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my! Well,
1: yeah, I. It's, it's not your fault. That's the
0: thing. And it's mm-hmm. just like we've we've created this idea that like whoever it tests positive for an STI is the one at fault. But it's really mm-hmm. just like a cycle of, you know, passing it on essentially.
1: Do you think that the first STI diagnosis that you got was a false negative? Um, I don't, um, because there had been, I, I know for some, like, STIs or whatever, you should wait like two weeks from that partner to get tested. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the way it works with some more uh, serious STIs like HIV. There's a certain like incubation period, let's say. Um, But I did in good faith reach out to some of those partners that were within that like two week period, Um, but they got tested and were fine. Um, So I'm that 2% or whatever the statistic is that's around there that contract from oral sex. At this
0: point, like, what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. But it is really interesting when you look more into STIs, especially for, like, vulva owners. Um, there's a two-week window, or there, it's not – I don't know if it's two weeks. It depends on what, like, vag- vaginal condition you're dealing with or what STI you're dealing with. But there is that, like, kind of ghost period of, like, you could have no symptoms or mm. you could have um, symptoms like months post – whatever the situation was and that was actually kind of what happened with me um when i contracted bv my discharge was very 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 different than what it was normally and it started happening i would say like a month and a half after i had had sex with my partner and so for me it was such a like eye opening experience because it's like I had this idea and this notion of, like, how to have right sex, even though right sex isn't a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I had this kind of notion of, like, how to not be a promiscuous woman meant only having sex with one person. And this comes with, like, a lot of, like, Catholic slash Italian guilt that, like, was heavily ingrained in, like, my upbringing and my school environment, especially in relation to sex. And I don't really blame anyone in that sense. I think it's just like a cultural thing that you have to like move forward from. But I, from the moment I met that partner to like when I stopped sleeping with that partner, I had done everything, quote unquote, right. Mm-hmm. And so I met the partner. He, he was like very charming um, and we were like, sort of dating for about two months. And then um prior to us uh, sleeping together, I got him tested for STIs. But then post that test, I didn't make him use condoms. And that was mistake number one, Felicia. That was like now looking back, I'm like, never again. Like that's too much freedom too early on into a relationship. And then on top of that, we had never had the conversation about um being monogamous, which was something that like I thought was um, instinctual, but I was also, I, I think it was like 19 at the time. So I, I was very fresh into the whole sex thing and even dating thing. Um, mm-hmm. and so I was sleeping with this guy. We were having fun. I was only sleeping with him. He was not only totally sleeping with me and I don't know what he was doing with his other partners. So it, it, it was like, have you seen the kissing booth? where, no, I oh <laughs> my goodness, the second movie came out and she finds a girl's earring under the bed of her boyfriend. And that was me 2.0. I was watching the movie and I was like, I've lived this life before. <laughs> so dramatic. But essentially what happened was the demise of that relationship was me finding some other girl's earring in his bed. So I was like, okay, peace out. Not going to do this anymore. And then a month and a half, After that relationship had ended I hadn't slept with anyone in between I was still in my like sad sad girl feels just like (laughs) crying watching movies like doing that type of situation and so I wasn't ready to date and Then my discharge started changing like dramatically and I was like, "Holy shit, what the hell is happening? and so I actually had a really terrible experience with an OBGYN as well Because at this time in my life, I was super uneducated in regards to like my body. And so it was during the summer and I was away from home. So I didn't have access to the university clinic. And I also didn't have access to my family practitioner. So I'm like Googling OBGYNs, I think I have chlamydia, I'm like Googling symptoms, I'm like, I'm gonna die, this is the end for me, I'm being so dramatic, it was really not a big deal, but I ended up going to an OBGYN and I was gonna go and actually ask more questions about like how to protect myself in like the next like sexual encounter that I have, like what to do moving forward, where can I like learn, because I knew whatever it was, it was from this one person. Mm -hmm. And so I went in, the OBGYN was so over me, like she was so over my shit. She was just not interested in hearing or answering any of the questions that I had to say. And I was like, can you please tell me like what it is? Like what's going on? She did not put me at ease at all. She put me in the stirrups and, like, clamped me up. And I was like, this is so unnecessary because I could have just peed in a cup. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't need to go to an OBGYN. I just – I – anyways. So we go to this doctor. She was very unhelpful. And she also, like, to do all of the STI testings at the OBGYN clinic is a lot more expensive than doing it at – like, a regular walk-in clinic or, like, a family practitioner. So I ended up dropping, I think it was, like, $530 Mm -hmm. of, like, my own money because I thought I was dying. Mm -hmm. So I was, like, I need to get a diagnosis, like, ASAP because I was, like, what's going to, like, what's going to happen to me? Like, I had no idea. Anyways, long story short, I get a call from the clinic and they're like, it's BV and a yeast infection. So that was why I had like the discharge that was so predominant. Mm -hmm. And what most likely happened was I had BV and then it then created a yeast infection because BV is the changing of the pH in the vagina. Um, And there's a lot of causes as to like why BV happens. It can happen from too much ejaculation from a male counterpart. It can also happen from transfers of bacteria. And then it also just messes with the pH of the natural pH of your vagina. So Mm -hmm. it was a combination of a lot of things. And because I'm just naturally super dramatic, it had to be a spectacle for absolutely no reason because Then once I started learning more about what BV was from like credible books and not from that OBGYN, because I was like, I'm never going back. Um, It was like one in three um, women will experience like some sort of vaginal condition in their life, whether it was a UTI, yeast infection or BV or all three, because sleeping with that person, I actually got my first UTI from not I don't want to blame this man but um a lot of these things could have been avoided one if I wasn't sleeping with him and two if I was using condoms with him because the protection uh, that condoms give you when you are sleeping with either multiple people or one person who's sleeping with a bunch of other people they protect you from different bacterias sperm which is actually like not very good for your vagina if you're not trying to get pregnant. It really messes with like the pH balance and um, just like the natural order of it. So, and I didn't know that at the time because you just think, oh, sperm's bad because of pregnancy, but you don't realize how damaging it can be for your just like regular vaginal health. So i was lucky that i didn't have to have those awkward conversations with anyone because BV isn't—it is transferable to your partners but because i have sex with men and the male anatomy is a lot more protected than the female anatomy in the sense that like for bacteria to travel up a woman's urethra versus to travel up a men's urethra it's like the men's urethra is like five times longer than the female one so I didn't have to have that conversation, which I'm glad uh, I didn't because we didn't really end off on great terms. Uh, mm-hmm. Just and like I don't really want to, or I didn't want to. I would have probably opted for the clinic to call mm-hmm. um, that partner, but um, yeah. And then after there was so much, I felt so much shame. I had never told my parents. I I had told maybe maybe three or four of my close friends and I'm an overshare naturally. Mm-hmm. So like I had always kept them in the loop about everything. And then I I got B V and I was like, I, I it wasn't even an STI and I was like so stressed and felt so much pressure. And I remember telling one of my guy friends at his cottage about it. And I was just like I felt so much shame and he just didn't care. He was like mm-hmm. I mean, it happens. And I was like, like, I was so grateful that his reaction was so relaxed about it, probably Mm -hmm. because he had most likely caught an STI in his lifetime. And he was just like, relaxed about it, because he's like, I've been through this year, fine. But I think as women, there's this connotation that like, because you get any type of vaginal conditioner, because you get an STI, you're a dirty person. And then I had that like, aha Oprah moment where it's like. I virtually did everything right and I still got sick. So it's like there is no way to do it There's, except to protect yourself to the best of your abilities. And then you just have to take care of your body as best as you possibly can. Um, yeah, I but I definitely want to ask, like, did you have any conversations with your friends post STI diagnosis? How was that conversation, like, in your personal life? Mm-hmm. Um, and how did your friends even react?
1: Yeah. So, um, I would have been, yeah, I guess I would have been in seizure when all this happened and I was not yet an outspoken activist like I am today. I had just joined our school's feminist club. So it was really like the infancy of my, of my activism. Um, and yeah, I, I really didn't tell anyone. I had been sort of going through this because I think with STIs or with anything, like when anything's wrong with your genitals, like it doesn't feel appropriate to like bring it up. And I think that that's unfortunate because then that silence is one of the problems, right? If you're not talking about it, you feel like no one else is going through it. You feel alone. You try to hide it from others. Um, So that's a bit rough. And then I think I did start, I started opening up about the chronic yeast infections long before the STI, which I think is like an interesting dynamic because there is and there aren't that many differences between the two. Um, So with these infections, they are from an imbalance in the microbiome. Same with BV, when things get thrown off for whatever reason, sometimes you know the reason, sometimes you don't, Um, infections can occur. And with um, the only difference, I guess, with Um, sexually transmitted infections is how we know that they're transmitted. So uh, anyone, if you're having sex or not, could get a yeast infection or BV. But there's still this so much shame around it, I think, especially as young women, that you feel like when it happens that you're gross or you're unclean and that you feel like you need to take measures to become cleaner. And the problem with the vulva um, and vagina is that if you overclean them with soaps and douches and products um, to smell nice and all this, you can actually give yourself a yeast infection or BV or just continue this vicious cycle. So I think it's so important to teach people through sex education and just doing outreach um, about normal, processes of their bodies and what's going on because even in my great sex education we didn't cover bv or yeast infections which is unfortunate like you said one in three women with yeast infections we know it's three out of four like almost everyone will experience this and you should have the tools. So, you know, one, what's going on with your body two what's not going on with your body. And then three, how to ask for help, um, get tested, get treated in ways that feel empowering, not just like you're so unaware of your body. You go to a doctor, they're supposed to be these vectors of knowledge and you're there vulnerable, exposed, and they just sort of dismiss you or say like, you treat you like you're dumb or you're dirty. That's not helpful at all. So I think we do need to get those conversations going and um yeah so I didn't so much disclose to to close friends uh or family like before doing this podcast I had to have a talk with like my sisters who I'm so close with but like so a few years ago I had an STI I'm talking about on a podcast today okay (laughs) I know
0: I haven't even spoken to my brother is like my closest family member and he's pretty in the loop uh but there's sometimes where he's like please stop and this is one of the episodes where I'm just going to be like listen don't listen uh it's okay There, there can be those barriers and I think that that's important too because it's like you have to find a happy medium of like having open conversations while also like protecting those relationships and creating those like barriers a little bit because it's like how many of your siblings want to like know especially siblings of like the opposite sex I think it's a little bit more awkward in that sense but I'd love to know like how you started navigating sex after that diagnosis and was there anything yeah. that you were more cognizant of?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me it was an easier adjustment because i was entering this long-term relationship so we'd both been through this together we got treated together um that part was pretty easy just taking the slip to like the pharmacist um, who was just like okay take this whatever i felt horrible after i don't know if anyone else gets that but with chlamydia medication my boyfriend was totally fine i was like knocked out i felt so sick um but that was all like fine and then we sort of just continued on with our our normal sexual activities but honestly to this day it scares me to think about hooking up with new people because i think i'd be like you felicia i think i would take them to the clinic get them tested (laughs) wait two weeks get tested again you know like it's sort of it's hard to like have that spontaneity and excitement that sort of comes with like heat of the moment encounters when you I think once you've gone through an STI I think there's just a barrier there that sort of you're a bit more cognizant because this sort of like risk that we all know about becomes a reality um so well I think that like getting tested and treated is in itself no big deal there are some things that sort of come with it after as well as like you mentioned a lot of like self-shaming and self-guilt and self-blame of like Um, you sort of joked before, about like where you went wrong of like, that's the moment you messed up and you sort of go over that in your head. Um, But I think it's important to also find compassion for yourselves and also be realistic about um, within your own sexual health, what works for you, what doesn't work for you and what you're actually going to be consistent with.
0: No, absolutely. I was very, um, I I did a very interesting thing and I think this kind of goes back to um like that year when I got BV within that year I had lost my virginity had sex with a variety of different people and then gotten BV so Mm -hmm. I was going through this like sexual liberation but also like all of these different things like my virginity was a very negative experience for me and so was obviously this relationship where I had this BV and I also like had to break up with the guy and like It was just so, so many things had happened. So actually right after I like figured out the diagnosis and then actually started um, what's now called Sex and Self, which is the nonprofit organization, which honestly I hated the man after. But now looking back, I have so much appreciation for me meeting this person because if I never had gotten that BV diagnosis, Sex and Self would have never existed. But I actually took, like, a vow of no sex for a year. No way. (laughs) I did. I was straight-up abstinent because I had gone through all of these things, and I was like, holy, I think I'm, like, not doing this in the best way for myself. Mm. So I straight-up vowed off sex for a year. I did it, which was really exciting and kind of empowering too because i had had this like sexual liberation but then i was also taking back the control of like what i was going to do with my body and who i was going to let participate in that experience with me and so it was very it was very empowering it did get very lonely to be completely honest um but i think that it was a really great year for me to really focus on like myself myself and like what I wanted to do moving forward with the sexual partners that I would have had in the future Mm -hmm. because I think before that BV experience I was having sex for my partners and I think after I was having sex for myself which is like a huge thing and like not that everybody needs to get some type of diagnosis to have this revelation I think I just personally had to um but I definitely like Moving forward, having sex without condoms
1: is like not something I'm ever going to (laughs) do. I think often with young women, we can sometimes use sex not in the best ways to be a distraction, to be a coping strategy. Um, And sometimes it does take something, unfortunately, a little bit um, severe to sort of shake you. Um, But like you said, it doesn't have to. And I think something that I learned through this experience was really that sex ed is not one size fit all. And it's just really important to be honest with yourself. You know your own body. You know your own history. um, You know what birth control and barrier methods you honestly will use or not. And I don't think shaming people about failing to protect themselves in, like you said, the right way is helpful at all. I think it just leads to more silence and shame and where people are not always going to be protecting themselves. But if you make it so that it's so shameful to admit that. Then you're just like being part of the problem, you know. So I think that, of course, we need to encourage people to always be using barrier methods, getting tested, educating yourself on STIs, and then destigmatizing them. Um, but I think it's also inc- important to encourage people to sort of have your own personal game plan for how you're going to best protect yourself um, when it comes to being sexually, mentally safe and empowered, for sure. And yeah, so talking about this today, um, so I think. Felicia and I first had a conversation months ago now, like we've been pushing In the this summer <laughs> last summer, had a conversation where we got, to, we met each other we started talking and then both sort of had this moment of like, Hey, I'd gone through this. Hey, I gone through something similar. And I think it was just knowing your background, knowing my background, it just felt like a safe place to talk about it. And I think it's interesting as two young women at the forefront of sexual health movements, sort of having that vulnerable moment of saying like, Oh, like, I'm not perfect. I've messed up here. I still am ashamed to talk about it. I still haven't spoken publicly, even though I'm posting on Instagram about sexual health, even though I'm talking about destigmatizing it, breaking down taboos, empowering other people to share their stories. There was still that barrier for us. So I thought it was actually a really sweet moment of sharing that privately and then sort of working up the courage together to come out publicly and share that. So um, I definitely sat with it for a while and I've had sort of had the months to brew on it and then talk to partners, make sure they're comfortable with me speaking on it and um, just making sure I'm comfortable with myself and have processed it. Um, but yeah, it definitely feels empowering and it's nice being able to share your own story and your own words um, and going on a platform that I really trust and know will honor and respect that story and to an audience that I know is so uh, great and gracious and will hopefully learn a lot and relate to this as well.
0: No, absolutely. I, I do. I remember that moment because we were both talking, and we were both talking so freely about a bunch of different things. And then we both kind of were like, "Yeah, I actually haven't shared that part of my journey with other people." And I, I don't even think like all of the members in my organization had heard that story yet, because you know, post that event was kind of the birth of Sex and Self, which mm-hmm. it, it boggles my mind that a bv infection like created something so much better than that but yeah it was definitely like a great kind of get to know you session (laughs) and it i think it definitely allowed us both to feel heard and safe um through both of our experiences and kind of the similarities between the two which i think are super helpful but um for the people listening and maybe for the people that are like, hmm, maybe I should get like STI tested right now, or maybe they're in the midst of like finishing off their antibiotics for a positive STI result, or it could be like any vaginal condition. Do you have any like
1: advice that you would give them or any suggestions you would make? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I'd say that if you are Going through something or you're worried about it, you know your body, you know what's normal and not. And I do encourage you to go um, and get tested and also reach out for support. Uh, As you've heard today, sometimes those experiences with doctors can be a bit distressing. If you have a friend or a trusted loved one, bring them with you, get that support, get yourself ice cream after. Um, I know it can be really scary, but I do think it's definitely worth it. You'll feel much better knowing one way or the other because then you can act on it. Um, If you don't know what's going on in your body, you can't really be proactive. And I would just say that if those tests come back positive or you do find out you have BV or a yeast infection, that it's okay, you're not a bad person, um, you're not dirty dirty or unworthy. Um, it happens, it happens all the time and it's okay to talk about. Um, I think it's also important to acknowledge that In my experience, the STI was acute, meaning that it was treated and then went away um, within like a week or so. But there also are a lot of chronic STIs out there where your diagnosis treatment and then treatment plan after is going to be very different than mine was. Um, But having someone that has lived with chronic yeast infections for years, I do have a bit of insight into how it can feel being uh, constantly infected and where your STI story isn't simply one of getting treated and then moving on with your life, but it sort of can become a part of you and how that can become. Um, distressing and having to have those conversations over and over again so I think we need to acknowledge that more and talk about that Um, but I do encourage everyone no matter what your experience is to find spaces either like medical her story or sex and self to share these experiences whether that's privately or publicly and definitely on your own time Um, because I know when this stuff can happen it really can feel like your world is falling apart or like you're dying but you're not you're strong um, and you'll be okay and there's a lot of people here to support you as well
0: no, for sure. And I love that acknowledgement of like every STI and STD diagnosis or even condition, but diagnosis is different and some can be ongoing and some can be easily treatable. So I really like that. And I think that ties back into um, what you said earlier about, you know, there's no sex ed that fits all like there isn't one way to kind of be a sexually active woman or sexually um sexually active femme person you know it's very different per person and i think it's just about sticking to your own values and never um like succumbing to the pressure of anyone else like whatever you know and you think works best for your body stick to it because you do know your body better than anyone else does mm-hmm. um but yeah, I was, I'm so glad you came on the podcast today. I'm like so grateful that you're willing to share this story. It takes a lot of courage. It really does. And um, I really give you kudos to that because it, it is a long process of like coming to terms with something like that. And even someone who struggles with chronic yeast infections, there is still that like societal taboo around STIs. So I'm, I'm really, really glad that you were willing to so openly share your story and your experience. Um, Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and where they can learn more about Medical Her Story again, just so that nobody forgets and they can chat with you after this is released?
1: Of course, yeah. And thank you so much, Felicia, again, for just creating a space where I felt comfortable to open up and sort of decide to share my story in a different way. Um, This wasn't necessarily one that, I had thought about writing before, I might now, so stay tuned on Medical Her Story for that. But I think it's really great to sort of get that weight off and that shame off and then be that role model for other people. Um, I think there's a reason why Medical Her Story hasn't covered the topic of STIs yet. Um, so hopefully we do get some more submissions soon to be able to break down that stigma. Um, but yeah, check us out at medicalherstory.com to read um, people sharing their stories or to share your own. And again, you can follow us on social media at Medical medicalherstory. Um, to see what we're up to check out our content and get involved amazing
0: thank you so much for coming on the podcast tori it was so great having you thank you anytime if you haven't already make sure to subscribe to the ladies let's talk about sex podcast to get notifications for our new episodes that come out every monday and make sure to check us out on instagram at ladies let's talk about sex for contests details and more information about all of our new episodes thanks for listening